0: Welcome to Behavior Babes Podcast, presented by me, Dr. Amanda Kelly. If advocating for behavior change at a public policy level is instrumental and necessary, then why don't behavior analysts get involved more than they do? What we see traditionally is a handful of individuals throughout the states and the world who have made a point of advocating and being um, a part of legislation in their states or in their regions where they live. Some examples of this have been related to autism insurance and advocacy for licensure of behavior analysts, which seeks to regulate the profession of the uh, practice of our science Uh, primarily has been afforded to individuals with autism and has come as a coexisting or supporting bill or law to the autism insurance. So again, when we don't get involved and we aren't there to actively define and to describe and to bring into light uh, an image of what behavior analysis is, of what our sessions look like of what the benefits of the science and what it means to be systematic and collect data, analyze that data, what goes into the rigor and training of our programs and what are our ethical requirements, which ensure consumer protection. If we are not there to define our practice, somebody will be there to define it for us. So again, Why don't behavior analysts get involved in public policy more than what they do? This podcast episode is here to give some behavioral perspectives to why people may not put forth the effort into certain activities. It's not intended to shame or to blame or to make anybody feel bad or uncomfortable. It's intended to provide a behavior analytic perspective at an area in which behavior analysts could be really helpful at achieving change. For I feel that more people should be involved. And if they were, we could um, generate an energy that would be monumentous and would help propel our science and the access that our clients have to effective services uh, much further, faster than what we're currently doing. So let's talk a little bit about response effort, right? When things are incredibly hard and difficult or out of our repertoires, we're not going to just jump right in with both feet, right? So even if there's something that we're really motivated to do, if we really do care a lot and we want to get involved and we want to support the people we see who are involved, There's a a really reasonable uh, explanation for why people choose to do other things with their time. And it's what we call competing contingencies. I mean, think about it. Are you in grad school or do you have a full-time job? Are you a parent or are you caring for maybe somebody else in your life? Do you have a spouse and a long commute? Do you have to cook dinner? Whatever it is, there's multiple balls that you're juggling in the air. And I know this because it's true for every single one of us. Um, and that's not to say like, oh, well, I have you know all of these competing things too and I get involved, why don't you? It's just a realization that we have only so much time and only so much energy to give and how do we allocate that energy? So it's really important that we identify what our time is spent doing and we prioritize where we need that time to go. Some things that are gonna help us make that decision um, really kind of comes down to the idea of a matching law, right? So Aubrey Daniels, Dr. Daniels has said, you know, behavior goes where reinforcement flows, meaning that our behavior that's going to increase in the future is the behavior that comes into contact with reinforcement, with reinforcers. When we're talking about things like public policy or any other kind of systemic change, it takes time. It takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy. So when we think about the amount of effort, the response that we were talking about, if the response is high and the payout is Low or delayed perhaps. Maybe it's very robust. When we achieve success, when we passed autism insurance in Massachusetts and then again in Hawaii, I have so many moments, pictures, memories to capture that, to remember that, that feeling. It pushes you forth through the times of devastation, destruction, and regression, which also happens. When we think about... Following a behavior plan, one of the difficult things with public policy is that for many of us there is no plan, or there is no um, formula for how to proceed. Perhaps we have to develop it, which means that the skills that we're being asked to perform, or that are asked that we're asking others to consider performing, are really. Um, difficult because these individuals, myself included in many aspects, have underdeveloped behavioral repertoires. I'm not a lawyer. I never had any interest in becoming a lawyer and I never gave much thought to laws, uh, specifically the creation of laws or public policy. But when you find yourself pursuing a passion, you may end up in very peculiar places. And it's how I fell into behavior analysis. You can go and listen back to the other episode on my story, and, and I'm happy to elaborate more on that at a later time. But it's also now how I found the interest in public policy. But those reinforcers, those reinforcing events, those feelings can be very far and few between, which, if what we take about um, the information we know about schedules of reinforcement, and what we understand about ratio strain. Meaning that if we need a certain amount of or a certain frequency of feedback in order for our behavior to increase substantially, and, and if we're needed to engage in lots and lots and lots and lots of behavior, but the reinforcement is so delayed, well, it's going to be difficult to really operate under those conditions based off what we understand from the matching law. I referenced Aubrey Daniels earlier and I think of him again when I think about his picnic analysis, which stands for positive, immediate, and certain, and negative, immediate, and certain. And what that means is things that are immediate and certain are more likely to control behavior, whether they are desired or undesired events. If you think about things that are, you know, positive or negative, but they might be delayed or uncertain. Like if you think about the fact that, um, you know, you might get emphysema if you smoke cigarettes, but that might happen in 50, 60 years from the time in which you started smoking. So even though that's a negative or undesired outcome, it's very delayed and it's uncertain. It's not uh, determined that that will absolutely happen to every individual. So when we think about legislation, when we think about public policy, a lot of bills die and don't become law. Think back to Schoolhouse Rock, right? I'm just a bill, a bill sitting on Capitol Hill. Um, and so there's going to be lots of effort without the um, guarantee of a positive or desired or immediate outcome. So it's not certain. It's very delayed and it it may not be desired. Um, so we talked a lot about motivation. We could be highly motivated to do this, but if we're operating under such low, uh, access and such a thin schedule to reinforcement, um, especially we're going to have to look to other sources for that reinforcement. So if we want to think about what some of the issues have been or what some of the barriers may be, uh, response effort, the immediacy of the reinforcer, the competing contingencies in our lives, the schedule of the reinforcement, our underdeveloped behavioral repertoires and establishing skills, skill building. What does the matching law tell us? And what happens if we're operating under too thin of a schedule and there's ratio strain? These are the challenges. These are the barriers. So what are the solutions? If you're an individual who has information, share it with other people. If you don't have information, seek it out. Gain experience. Ask others. Find mentors. Myself, it was, um, you know, like Lori and Dan Unum from Autism Speaks, and Dan Unum is now with the Autism Legal Resource Center. We had support from some lobbyists here in the state, which were um, not funded by our state chapter, but were working in collaboration. The Hawaii Association for Behavior Analysis. Think about your state chapter, and if one doesn't exist, consider making one. It's a lot of work. It definitely is its own work there. But you can start to build a network of people you can start to share information. You can start to triage the efforts. And although your response effort may increase, if you find other people's participation is reinforcing, then you're going to be contacting some more immediate reinforcers and you're going to be impacting behavior change, um, which is really pivotal for many, many other people. Puts them right there on the edge and it can really kind of trickle down to others. So you want to create more immediate reinforcement systems? You want to think about intrinsic as well as socially mediated or extrinsic reinforcement? When we think about our competing contingencies, prioritize. Now, you may already be doing that, and and that is the best you can do, and that's okay. Everybody has a part to play, and everybody can do something. And if you're not sure what that is, think about what it is that you're great at. Are you really good at marketing and social media? Could you offer that to your state chapter? Is that something you could offer if there was a bill or information that needed to get out to a group? Do you have an email list? Are there people who are willing to exchange information? Can you create a shared Google Drive? You know, are you working with the state chapter? Are you a part of a state chapter? Are you a member? If you can only pay dues but cannot do much more than that, your funds do things like secure lobbyists or help um, individuals make materials. For us, we bring lays to opening day at the state capitol. Um, there is a learning curve for sure. So when you're on it, when you're on that path or when others are there. It's really great to document the process so that we can create these task analyses so that we can show others how it's done or how it has been done or what it may look like under certain conditions. Because not everything is going to generalize, not everything is going to apply from one location to another region, but a lot of it really will. So you build that network, you extend out, you delegate, you Contrive um, situations which bring reinforcers to you. It's really critical and it's really important that we think about what we can do. Can we write a letter? Can we fill out something on a website form? Can we ask questions? Do we have access to someone at media networks? Is there something that we can do to write a press release? We all have skills. Are you great at making videos showcasing what things look like? Are you a parent who is willing to share your story? These are incredible and important ways that we can take the skills that are already in our repertoire and use them to assist uh, the larger movement of behavior change. Here we're talking about public policy, but so much of this relates to any organizational approach to a systemic change. Thanks for joining me for this part of this discussion. We'll be adding in more information um, throughout because there's a lot to discuss in this area. You can find information about ABA and advocacy efforts by going to www.behaviorbabe.com.